All right, well, today we close out our series, Future You, and I hope that this series has been as helpful for you as it's been helpful and challenging for me as I've been preparing it. Um, but here's what we've said from the very beginning, that all of us have a hope and a dream and a plan and, and an idea of what our future should be. We have a future you, you have a future you, just like I have a future me, that there's all of us have a picture of future you and who, who you want to be, what you want to accomplish, who you want to become, what you want to do, the things that you want to have happen and be true about you in the future. And the other thing that we've said, so we've said that we all have this picture, but the other thing that we've said is that all of us tend to be really bad at making decisions that actually set ourselves up for that future, to see it become a reality, to become the person that we actually want to become, to, to do the things that we want to do, to, to accomplish what we want to accomplish, to have the things that we, that we want to have. So we've been saying this, that if we want to actually help ourselves be the person we want to be, do the things that we want to do, accomplish what we want to accomplish, become who we want to become, all of us need to get better today at making decisions today to build our tomorrow, to build the future that you want to live. And here's the question that we introduced to, to begin to help us at the beginning of the series, to help us get better at making these decisions. What does future you want current you to do? What does future you want current you to do? And we've encouraged and challenged you to ask that question in all kinds of ways, in your finances, in your career, in your relationships, in your friendships, in your marriage, in your singleness, in all kinds of different areas of, of your life, in your education. You know, what does future you want current you to do? If you're going to help future you, what does current you want you to do? And so we've asked that and we've encouraged, we've said some strong things in these last two weeks as well. We've asked the question, what, what does that future you wants you to choose wisely, to choose wisely in your friendships, in your relationships, and the people that you surround yourself with, because you will become like the people that you spend the most time with. And we've also said that future you wants you to stop talking yourself into the things that wisdom is working to keep you away from. That all of us have a tendency to talk ourselves into things and talk ourselves into bad ideas. Wisdom and future you would like you to stop talking yourselves into those things so that, that wisdom has clearly tried to keep you from. Now, today, as we close out the series, I wanna to talk to you for a little bit about that future, a little about that future for a little bit, because I, I wanna to talk to, about that picture that you have in your mind of what future you is like and what future you is experiencing, who future you has become and what future you might just accomplish. See, I don't necessarily know all of you, that, all of that well, but here's my best guess at what you and what future, what, what, what you want for future you at different points along the way in life. See, if you're a college student, if you're a college student, my guess is that what you want for future you is to graduate college and to be well prepared for whatever the next season of life is, to step to step into a well-paying job, to be ready for grad school, to be ready to step into maybe maybe a job, it doesn't have to be all that well-paid, but you're just like I just want to be have have a job that you want to step well well prepared into the next season of life that as a college student, you're going to like, hey, when I think about the future, like I'm not thinking 10 years down the road, 20 years down the line, I want to step into the next phase of life well prepared. If you're a single person, my guess for you is that some is that someday you want to meet a person who loves Jesus like you love Jesus, who's a great compliment to your personality, who you enjoy spending time with, who you're attracted to and is attracted to you, and you build a romantic relationship that leads to marriage and the beginning of a new family. That's a beautiful picture. That's a good picture for you to have. That's a good picture to want. That if you if you're saying like, hey, hand hand in the air, that is what I want. That is what I hope for. That is what I dream of. That's good. That that. That, 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 that's a good picture to have that if you're single, what you're hoping for is in the next phase of life that you would meet and, and marry 
that person that you you'd hope that 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 your future is is some is a, is a good version of what you've always dreamed of for married people my guess is that you want future you to be part of a better marriage than the one you're in today and and as i say better i say better not because you're going to go like leave the one that you're in and go find a new one I say better because you hope, like I hope, that in five years or in three years or in 10 years, that our marriage is better, that it's stronger, that we understand each other better, that we know each other in deeper ways, that we're more patient with one another, that we, that we actually do know each other better, that we're stronger and more able to walk through the difficult moments of life than we are today, that, or that our marriage would be stronger and healthier and more loving and more patient that we all, I think all of us would hope that in the future, we would be living in a marriage that is stronger and better than the one that we're in today. If you're a parent, if you have children, what you want for the future is I believe that all of us, we would say we want bright, energetic, well-behaved children. And some of us, let's be honest, we'd settle for one of those three or two, you know, maybe two out of three, like, you know, like batting two out of three gets you into the hall of fame for sure. You know, like we want parents who, or we want children who love and follow God and who love and respect you and have a strong, and you actually have a strong relationship with them. That's a great picture to hope for. That's a great future to hope for. That's what future you wants for your future children. If you, for your, your children in the future, that's what you want. That's what I want. If you're, if you're a parent, when it comes to your career, here's what I, th what I think so many of us hope for. What you hope for in the future for your career is that your career is in a better place than it is right now. You might love where you are right now, but you're hoping for better. You're hoping for bigger. You're hoping for more responsibility. You're hoping for more pay. Let's be honest, we're all hoping for more pay. You're hoping for more to accomplish and more to lead, more people to be responsibility, uh, responsible for, more, more leadership opportunities, more, more opportunities to expand your footprint and have an impact, impact at your workplace. That's, I think all of us, when it comes to our career, we're hoping that in the future that grows and it will be better and there will be more options for us. I think for many of us, when it comes to our financial future, you want a better financial picture than you have right now, right? Like you want a better financial picture than you have right now. You want to make more money. Maybe you want to get out of debt. You want to save more money. You want more financial freedom to spend money the way that you choose. You want to have retirement figured out. You want your college, kids' college to be paid for. You want to be able to buy that first house or the dream house or let's be honest, the house that's in between your first house and your dream house. You want your financial future to be better than your financial current when it comes to your physical health. Like, let's be honest, you want to grow older but not lose your physical capabilities, right? Like, you want to defy gravity. You want to defy gravity. You want to, you, like, you want to be healthy. You want to be healthy as you grow older. You want to be healthy enough, if you have a daughter, you want to be healthy enough to walk your daughter down the aisle. If you're, like, you want to, in the future, if you're not, if this is not your current place, like, you want to be able to get down on the floor and play around with your kids and be healthy and not creaking as you get up and not be out of breath as you try to get up. That's what you want. You want to grow older and not worry about the avoidable health risks of life. You want to be healthy. And then one last thing as we talk about impact. Like, you want, in future you, to be making a bigger impact in the world than current you is making. Like you want the future you to have greater impact that even if, no matter how great an impact you're having today, you actually want to make a greater impact in the future. You want future you to be making a greater impact than current you. You want to be leading people to Jesus. You want to be serving people in Jesus's name. You want to be serving people and leading well in a, in a way that shows and introduces people 
to the Savior that you know and love. You want to be making an impact in the world. You want your life to be making an impact. And you want future you, like I want future me, to have a greater impact than today's me is having. That all sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Like, isn't that, like, when you think about your life, you're like, okay, I want to be healthy. I want myself to have a strong financial picture. I want myself to be surrounded with strong relationships in my family and in my friendships. Like, I want to have a great career. Like, yeah, that, you know what, Chris? You're, when, if that's, if that's the picture that you're, that you're guessing for me, that is what I want. No, no matter where you are now, what you want your future, what you want for future you is good, healthy, better, and stronger than where you are right now. You could say it this way. You want your next season to be a blessed season. You want your next season to be a blessed season. You want to experience a, a blessing in your next season. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, my guess is that you don't mean blessed as in lucky or fortunate or things just bounce the right way. When you say blessed, like I say blessed, what we mean is that we want our next season to be a season blessed by God. And so more than just saying we want our next season to be a blessed season, I would push it a little further to say this, that you want future you to live in the blessing of God. You want future you to live in the blessing of God. Like, at the end of the day, isn't that what we ultimately all want? That no matter what today looks like, you want to live in the blessing of God tomorrow. That no matter what mistakes you've made in the past, you want God's blessing to be over your future. That no matter how difficult the fight now, you want God's peace to be over your life in the days to come. I mean, virtually everything that you and I ultimately want, it comes with the blessing of of God, with God's best for you and with God's best for me. So you want stronger? Stronger comes with the blessing of God. You want healthy? Healthy comes with the blessing of God. You want good? Good flows from the blessing of God. You want better tomorrow? Better tomorrow comes with the blessing of God. It's the natural outflow of the blessing of God is that we would actually experience and live in better, stronger, more resilient healthier, better, good that we can experience and that we can live in. Now, that's not controversial. That's not controversial. That, like, saying that was like, oh yeah, we all want to live in blessed lives. Duh. Like, that's not controversial. That's kind of like, you, Chris, you didn't even need to say that. But where this gets interesting to talk about is that God's blessing does not work the same way as God's grace. God's blessing does not work the same way as God's grace. See, we often live as if they're the same and work the same, that there's no reason or rhyme to how blessing comes, that it's undeserved and unexplainable why some people are blessed and other people are not living in God's blessing. But Scripture actually teaches something very, very different. See, in Scripture, grace is unmerited favor. It's unearned favor. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it. But God's grace through Jesus Christ's work on the cross for you allows you to receive the grace of God and embrace a relationship with God. You can't earn it, can't deserve it, can't work for it, can't live a certain way to obtain it. The only explanation for God's grace is that God is a God of grace. That's who he is. That's who he is. That grace is unearned, undeserved, that we cannot earn God's grace. But, but 
God's blessing, as Scripture teaches repeatedly, is actually something that we receive not by grace, but in response to our actions, our trust, our obedience, and our surrender to God's plan and to God's ways. That our ability to receive God's blessing and live in and live under God's blessing is directly tied to our posture and our response toward the leadership and guidance and direction of God. Which, which, let's be honest, that shouldn't come as a surprise to us, right? That should not come as a surprise to us. That if there's a God like we believe there's a God, that if there's a God who, like we believe there's a God, and he actually knows all, sees all, created all, set everything in the world in motion, made the laws and principles on which the world works, well, then his way is best. Like his way would naturally be best. If he knows all, sees all, created all, set all into motion, and created the principles on which it works, he knows best. He knows better than you. He knows better than me. He knows better than your mama. He knows better than your daddy. He knows better than your eighth grade teacher. He knows better than your college professor. He knows better than everyone. His ways are best. And naturally, the only way to experience God's best is to live according to his plan, according to his way, according to his Will, you could say it this way. When we walk in God's wisdom, we live in God's blessing. Matter, like, would you, if you're watching right now, would you just type that in the chat bar? That when we walk in God's wisdom, we live in God's blessing. When we walk in God's wisdom, we live in God's blessing. So if we want God's blessing, the only way to experience God's blessing in our marriage, in our singleness, in our parenting, in our finances, in our career, in our education, in our influence, in our physical health, the only way to experience that is to trust God's will and to follow God's ways and to follow and to live in God's wisdom. We only get, get God's best when we follow God. We don't get God's best and we don't get God's blessing without God. Without God. We surrender our lives. We submit our lives. We follow our lives in, into the footsteps of God and in his, in his plans and in his ways. And that is the way that future you and future me gets to live in God's blessing. Now, again, this is one of those things that is taught and clarified over and over and over again throughout Scripture, specifically in the book of Proverbs. Solomon teaches this idea over and over and over again, that blessing flows in response to our obedience to God and our surrender to God. What's most interesting about that, though, is that Solomon is recorded as the wisest man who ever lived. And, and translating his recorded wealth into modern dollars would be the wealthiest person on the planet today by a long time. Stretch, And we're not talking stock valuation. We're not talking market valuation. We're talking gold bars sitting in his back storage room, okay? Like Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, and he is the wealthiest man who has ever lived. If ever there was a man who could have lived a blessed life without surrender to God's plans, it was Solomon. And yet, and yet for Solomon, all of that, all the wisdom, all of the earthly success, it flowed from a moment in his youth that showed his heart before God and that would shape the rest of his days to come. Here's the moment that we read about in 1 Kings chapter 3. It says this, The king, Solomon, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Solomon goes to show reverence to God. At Gibeon, 
the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want, for whatever you want me to give you. First off, like, can you imagine if God made that offer to you today? What would you ask for? What, like, I mean, some of us, we shouldn't actually answer that out loud. But like, what would you answer if God said, I will give you anything you ask me for? Just ask, just ask. What would we ask for? The mo- what's, what's more interesting about this is that Solomon was not 38, was not 52, was not 26. Solomon became king when he was 12. This happened when Solomon was 12 years old. I mean, let's just be honest. Like if God asked 12-year-old you, what do you want? Ask me for anything and I will give it to you. What would 12-year-old you have asked for? Again, we probably shouldn't answer out loud because chances are it would be something stupid. It would, like, it would be, I know if, if God asked 12, 12 year old me, get, you know, ask for anything and I'll give it to you, I would have asked for something stupid at 12 years old. And Solomon did not ask for something stupid. Solomon did not ask for something stupid. In fact, Solomon's answer and what Solomon asked for showed a deep understanding of his own limitations and in, and in understanding that showed the beginning of his Wisdom. Verse six, we go on. It says, Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. In other words, Solomon recognized his place and God's place. His place and God's place. That God was the ultimate ultimate authority, and that his place as the king was only because God had orchestrated the events and chosen him to be the king at this moment in time. Solomon recognized, I'm the king, but there's a king above kings, and you've chosen me for this moment. I'm only sitting on the throne by your hand and by your choice right now, God. And then he says this, here's the, here's the request. He says, but I am only a child. I'm only a little child, which is true. He's 12 years old. I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So he says, so give your servant a discerning heart. Other translations would say a wise and understanding heart. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish, to know between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? What did Solomon ask for? Solomon asked for a wise and discerning heart to lead the people well and to know right from wrong. This is really telling. This is as a young man, a young king, Solomon recognized his own limitations. He's going, God, I'm going to govern, and I don't know how to do that. So give me wisdom. Would you help me? God, I'm going to have a million decisions every day that actually affect the real lives of many, many, many people. And I don't know what I'm doing. So God, in all of those decisions, give me wisdom to decide well, to help the most people possible. God, I'm going to carry a responsibility that's way bigger than me, and it could crush me if it's not for your strength. I can't do it in my strength. So God, would you give me your strength? Would you give me your wisdom to uphold my responsibility well? And I would say this, the wisest thing Solomon ever did was acknowledge his need for God's wisdom. See, we have recording of of all kinds of stuff that Solomon did that, that, that people recorded and said, wow, this guy was the wisest man who ever lived. But in my opinion, 
The thing that set him up to be known as the wisest man who ever lived was the moment that he, that he understood, I am not wise enough in my own wisdom. I need God's wisdom. The wisest thing that Solomon ever did was acknowledge his need for God's wisdom. That what set, set, set him apart and what separated him as the wisest man who ever lived was that he was marked by God's wisdom, not Solomon's wisdom. And maybe for you, maybe for you, the wisest thing that you could ever do is to humble yourself and do the same, to do the same, to acknowledge that there are areas of your life where you have zero expertise, zero knowledge, that you are in completely over your head and you need God's wisdom. See, I can't speak for women, but I know as men, our pride, our pride so easily keeps us from doing this. But for some of us, let's be honest, we have plenty of experience but we have picked up little wisdom along the way. For all of us, we have areas where we are completely blind and have no idea what we're doing, where we are in completely over our head. And the good news, the good news is that in the areas that we're blind and that we're inexperienced and we're unwise, God has an abundance of wisdom for you and for me. For those moments and for all the life that is still to come, the wisest thing that we could ever do is to acknowledge our need for God and for his wisdom. Now, the story goes on because that's Solomon's part. And here we get God's response. It says in verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. He says, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And then he says this, Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. I mean, this is... This is one of those things in scripture where we should just like camp out here for a while and pay attention to this. That the Lord was pleased with what Solomon asked for. That Solomon sought him, asked him for something that was so close to his heart. And out of that, God's response was, well, of course, I'm going to give you what you have asked for. But I'm also going to give you everything that you haven't. And here's the thing that I want to make sure we understand today. When you seek God first, you receive God's best. When you seek God first, you receive God's best. Your first thing you get when you seek God is that you get God. First thing you get when you seek God is that you get God. And when I say you receive God's best, you get God's best, which is himself, which is himself. This is important. We don't seek God for blessings. We seek God for God. The blessings are an overflow of the most important one that we can actually spend our time seeking. We seek God first and we receive his blessings as an overflow of receiving God, of discovering God, of knowing God, that you get to know your heavenly father. When you seek God first, you get to know your heavenly father. You get to have a relationship with the God of all creation. That's unbelievable, but it's true. It's true. That's what Jesus made available for you and for me, that no matter what our past looks like today and tomorrow, we can wake up every day and seek God and know 
God. We seek God's first and we receive God's best. But I also, I love how God responds in this moment. That God responds to Solomon like a proud dad responds to their kid who has done something so, so, so good and has done something so well. God is already going to give Solomon whatever he asked for. So if Solomon said, I want you to kill all my enemies, God would have gone, done. If, if Solomon said, I want you to establish my kingdom for a long time, God would have said, done. But, but Solomon asked for something that was at the very heart of God. He said, I want wisdom. I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need to be able to rule these people well. I need to serve your people well. So I need your wisdom, God. And, be, and because Solomon requests something that's right at the heart of God, God responds by going, you know, I'm going to give you that and I'm going to give you all the other stuff too. So that you never forget, I'm the God who gives wisdom. I'm the God that you can know. And I'm the God who has provided everything that you have and everything that you are. You sought me first and my wisdom first. So I'll answer with my wisdom. And out of that, you will also receive the best that I have to offer you in this world. It's out of that heart then. And out of that experience and the experience that he had over the rest of his lifetime, that Solomon would go on to write these four Proverbs where Solomon directly ties the blessing of God to the fear of the Lord, the blessing of God to surrender to God's ways, the blessing of God to the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14, the first one Solomon wrote is this, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls in to trouble. He says, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, that there's blessing that flows in keeping a humbled, awed posture before our God. Proverbs 19 verse 23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. The fear of the Lord, he says, leads to life. Life is another word that Solomon would use for blessing, that when we fear the Lord, when we have an awe before the Lord, when we're surrendered before the Lord, when we say, God, if you say jump, I say how high. If you say move, I, I, I get moving. If you say go, I say which direction. Like at the end of the day, that we would be surrendered to the Lord in, in reverence, a deep awe of who God is and what God has done. He says, when you fear the Lord, when you fear the Lord, you can rest contented and you can rest untouched by trouble. Proverbs 14, 27, he says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. That when you fear the Lord, it's a fountain of life, a fountain that doesn't run dry because a fountain is fed from somewhere beyond the fountain itself. And that's a beautiful thing. He says, the, like the, the fear of the Lord it is a never-ending supply of life and it turns a person from the snares of death. And then in one of my, one of my very favorite verses of all time, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That a heart surrendered before God, that's the beginning of wisdom. So today, as we close out the series, bottom line, the wisest thing that you can do for future you is to live surrendered to the Lord. The wisest thing that you can do for future you is to live a life surrendered to the Lord. The Lord. That every single one of us, for me, for you, 
for me standing here by, by this table, for you sitting on your couch or in your, in your office or wherever you're watching this, the wisest thing that you can do for future you is to live today surrendered to the Lord. That no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you find yourself in, no matter what your situation looks like today, no matter if things are great, no matter if things are average, no matter if things are okay, no matter if things are going really well, the wisest thing that you can do for future you is to not live another day and not to live another moment in your own wisdom, but to live your life surrendered to the Lord. And let me talk specifically to, to, to a few people today. If you're in a hole that's been created by past mistakes, I know so many of us, we, we end up living our life where we go, today I'm living in, the, in, in, in a mistake that I made in the past. What do I do with that? How do, like, how do I make my way forward? How, like, how do I make my way forward? And here's what I would say. You dug the hole, unfortunately, you dug the hole that you are now living in by yourself. You picked up the shovel and you made a choice and you made a choice and you made a choice. And today you find yourself living in that hole. And what I would say is that you will not make your way out of that hole by picking up the shovel again in your own strength and your own wisdom and in your own power. You will only begin to get out of the hole and make your way out of the hole by surrendering yourself to God's wisdom and allowing God to begin to build a ladder step by step by step by step. You will not jump out. You will step out. And I don't know what that looks like for everyone watching today. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know that it, but it, it will mean that you surrender and you submit to God's wisdom for you and for your life. If you're in a current reality, let me talk to someone else. If you're in a current reality where you're living hopeful, hopeful, for the blessings of God, while you're living in outright opposition to godly wisdom, you will not find God's blessing for your future within the way that you are living. You will only find it through surrender and by changing course, and you will find it through obedience to God's will and to God's ways and to God's plans. When you live in God's wisdom, when you seek God first, you receive God's best. When you live in godly wisdom, you receive God's blessing. And if you're living hoping for God's blessing while living in outright opposition to God's wisdom, you will not find God's blessing there. So as we end the series, here's the goal. Here's the best thing that you can do for future you. Would you live with a mind surrendered to the wisdom of God, a heart surrendered to the will of God, hands surrendered to the work of God, and feet surrendered to the direction of of God. Let me just break that down really quick. When I say a mind surrendered to the wisdom of God, you know that there are moments like I know there are moments where my thoughts don't line up with God's thoughts. And when my thoughts don't line up with God's thoughts, I want to live a life of surrender where I say my thoughts don't matter in comparison to your thoughts. Your thoughts are higher. Your thoughts are better. So I choose your thoughts over my thoughts until my thoughts become like your thoughts. I want a mind surrendered to God. When it comes to our heart surrendered to the will of God, when my desires don't line up with God's desires for me, I choose what God wants over what I want. I choose what God wants for me over what I want for, for myself. I surrender my will to God's will. I surrender my heart to God's will. When I say hands surrender to the work of God, I want to do God's work every day. I know there are the things that I wake up naturally inclined to do, but when it comes down, right down to it, I want to do 
what God wants me to do. I want to do God's work every day. I want to accomplish something in God's will every day. So I surrender my hands to the work of God. I let God do through me whatever God wants to do through me. I'm not, I don't want to just live life inclined toward whatever my life is naturally inclined towards. I want my hands surrendered to the work of God. And finally, I want to have feet surrendered to the direction of God. That I know where my feet want to go and I know where my feet want to take me, but I want my feet to be surrendered to the direction of God. That whenever God points a direction, I say, that's where I'm going. And if he changes the direction, I say, that's where I'm going. I want my feet to go wherever God leads. We seek first God. We seek God first and we receive God's best. In fact, as we, as we close this out, this, and this is actually exactly what Jesus was talking about when he, when he taught us something so important in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and then verse 34, which we don't always pay as much attention to, Jesus said this, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first. Seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is talking about the things that we so naturally seek, the, the, the good things that we all want. He says, don't run after those things. Seek first God. And then all of these things will be added as an outflow, as an overflow of that. Seek God first and we receive God's best. But then in verse 34, he says this thing that so many of us look over because 33 is so amazing. In 34, he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. See, here's the truth. This is, this is the beautiful thing as we close out our series, series called Future You. Future you can live worry-free when today's you is surrendered to God. That that you have your hopes, that you have your dreams, that you have your plans, that you have the, the picture of what future you is going to be and, and, and what you're going to do and what you're going to have and who you're going to be with and all of that kind of stuff. And so many of us, we spend so much, so much time worrying about it. But the good news for you and the good news for today's version of you is that you don't need to worry about tomorrow's you. You don't need to worry about future you when today's you is surrendered to God's will, to God's plans, and to God's ways. The wisest thing that you can do, the wisest thing that I can do for future you, that I can do for future me, that you can do for future you, is to live today surrendered to God's plans, to God's will, to his ways. That's what future you wants to do for you, wants you to do for future you. That's what, that's what God ultimately wants to do for every single one of us, for us to seek him, for us to know him, and for us to receive and live in his best for us every single day of our lives. We can do that. We can begin that in a moment right now. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to do that right now. If you're doing that right now, to make him the Lord of your life, to seek him first, to know him first, to put him above and ahead of everything else, I would encourage you right now in the video description, there's a link that says, I've decided to follow Jesus Christ. And if you're doing that, I would encourage you to click that video, to, to, to click that link to let us know you're making that decision. But I would also encourage you to pray right now as, as we go into a time of prayer, to pray and speak to your heavenly father, to not let prayer be something that happens on the screen, but to be something that happens in your heart as you approach your heavenly father and let him know that you're coming in his direction, that you're trusting in Jesus's death, to pay for your sins and you're trusting in his resurrection to bring you into new life and a new relationship with him. And you're gonna seek him first for the rest of your life. So let's do that right now.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for this series that's encouraged us to, to look to you. That's encouraged us not to look to ourselves or our own wisdom, but to continually look to you and the wisdom that you have provided for us in your word, that you've provided in the principles of the way that, that life works. God, thank you for your wisdom. And God, thank you that at the end of the day, wisdom comes from you. So if we want wisdom, we go to you. We seek you first. And God, we know that when we seek you first, we get your best, which first of all, thank you that it means we get you, that we get a relationship with you, that we get to know you. And God, thank you that as we get to know you and as we get to know your wisdom and as we choose to live out your wisdom and walk in your will and surrender to your ways, God, that your best flows out of that for our lives. So God, for all of us who want to live stronger, who want the future to be better, who want the better to be the future to be healthier, who want everything that we want for our future, God, help us to seek you. Because as we seek you, we get better. As we seek you, we get stronger. As we seek you, we get healthier. As we seek you, we find good. So God, help us to seek you. Help us to seek you first. And as we do that, to receive your best. We love you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen.